0: the Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Slap three, Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Time gets down, the Lightning with the Stanley Cup. They have reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs. Good morning everybody. Episode number 29 of For Future Considerations, your favorite podcast on the podcast networks that you would find any of your podcasts. Um, My name is Matt. Manny and John are here as well. Guys, I think we're about eight seconds in. I've been very good at controlling myself, (laughs) that this isn't like friggin' Christmas Eve for me, but... We are excited to touch a little bit on the, the Kentucky Derby that's running tomorrow. Just a little bit? We'll probably hint. Just, just, just a little bit? Just a tease of it, and then we'll probably just talk about something. Else.
1: <laughs> John, are you as pumped as Matt is for this pony show?
2: Yes. Uh, in
1: my household, See? we've been watching
2: the Triple Crown races ever since I was a little kid, so I love horse racing at this time of year.
1: I'm pumped just because Matt is pumped, and it gives me another reason... Uh, have a mint julep. So uh, this is going to be a fantastic weekend.
0: Do you like mint juleps? No, not at all. No.
1: <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so I'll have one just to say I had one. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm breaking into
0: everything and, and anything was... else. <laughs> I've never had
2: t- one, but you guys make them sound so terrible. I don't yeah. think I'm going
0: to. You know, I we made them once and, uh, and no, it wasn't that great, but, um, the derby day is if it's wet and it's got booze in it it's it's all it's got my name on it's it. all we're all in so <laughs> manny is here john is here we're normally just blubbering about whatever we think is going on but we finally got somebody that knows what they're talking about on such an important Whoa. day uh, look listen to this title okay president and ceo vice president <laughs> <laughs> dire- director of horsing, <laughs> director, of horsing. <laughs> director of horsing it's a real thing okay I looked it up okay. and lead handicapper we are thrilled to have from racingdudes.com one of the dudes Aaron Halderman Aaron thanks so much for joining us Listen, I've been on a lot of shows. Best introduction ever. You guys are already ahead of the curve right
3: now. So that's
1: great. How do you have time for anything else? Like, you're basically running that show. Yeah, right? It's a it's a one man operation, I guess. So I, well, hopefully, none of the dudes listen
0: to this show tonight, right? So. Oh, man. I don't worry. Nobody listens. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, K- the Kentucky Derby coming up tomorrow uh, for you. Is this the is this the biggest day or busiest day of the year?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely it is. I mean, this week is just crazy. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a, a very big following that uh, just goes nuts this time of year. Just like us, it's it's our Super Bowl. There's no no way around it, you know. Uh, and the the great thing about the Derby is it does make a lot of new fans. It's you know everybody knows what the Kentucky Derby is. Everybody's watching. So it's good if they come to the site and they do well and, and we kind of help them out, which some years we do, some years we don't. We'll get into that this year and what, what we think. But uh, you come and you help a new fan out and you can kind of make a new fan of, this, of the sport. And, and that's really what we need more than anything else.
0: Yeah, we're really looking forward to learning more about racingdudes.com. It's uh, it's my go-to website for for any of the the handicapper or any of that information. So, I love going to you guys. Actually, funny story. I had gotten a note at work from our uh, one of our IT guys and uh he was uh, sends me a screenshot. He says, "Hey, um is this a site that you frequent or is this a pop-up or something like that?" I'm like, "No, I'm on this every day, guys. What are you talking <laughs> about?" He says, "Well, we've got filters on here and it shows up as gambling and like there's a few people that you know every once in a while they may have clicked on something you seem to do this all the time <laughs> number number one what are you working on here <laughs> why are we paying you and number two stop doing it at work so i then had to bring in my own laptop so i could do it on there and not have to worry about uh about the uh, the network at, at work so
1: so tell us about racingdudes.com for those people who don't know about it
3: yeah, so basically, what it, it started off as just a blog, basically, back in 2011, we like to call it articles that we wrote, but it was really just blog posts, you know, and it was a, a hobby for a few years, and then uh, all of a sudden, we started getting a following, kind of turned it into a business, and uh, now when you go to the site, you've kind of got a little bit of everything, we've got articles, we've got podcasts, uh, we do two, uh, two different podcasts, two uh, 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 days a week, um free picks so if you want to go and see who's going to win each race that's running that day we've got free picks for those Uh, just all kinds of things so i i kind of tell people sometimes that they don't really know what horse racing is i said we're kind of like espn but for horse racing you know we got a little bit of everything if you want to learn about certain trainers we'll have interviews with them or jockeys so we kind of just try to do a little bit of everything
0: and as as lead handicapper and president and ceo and director of horsing and whatever else I had said at the beginning what's your role in the uh, in the day to day for the site first of all i love director of
3: horsing i'm definitely going to add that
0: on my business cards that i don't have but uh, yeah
3: so day-to-day, I, I do all the the handicapping for the site. Uh, so if you come to the website and you look at our free picks, that's all me. Uh, if you if you buy our premium products, which we also have, uh, that's me as well. Uh, and uh, I, I, I dabble in the articles a little bit as well. I do two or three of those a week. So I'm kind of the, anything
1: that has to do with picking the horses, that's me. So tell us about this field for this year's Kentucky Derby then. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it?
3: Well, every year, the Derby kind of gives us a unique opportunity of one of two things, right? It gives us a horse that we are overly excited about. We think he could be a superstar. He could win the Triple Crown. Uh, And that in itself is a huge build up. It's a lot of fun. The problem is that horse is usually a very short price, meaning if you bet him to win, you're not going to make a ton of money. This year, we don't have that. We don't have a horse that we're all thinking in the business, hey, this could be a Triple Crown winner. Could it happen? Sure, but we don't think we don't think it coming in. But the good news about that is, with this year's Derby, you can make money here. This this is not going to be, uh, you know, a, a Derby where the the top three favorites finish one, two, three. Uh, we might get a short price win it, but we're going to have a lot of prices in second and third. So it makes for a very good betting race this year.
2: Um, You referred to the Derby as uh, the Super Bowl, but if you get a horse that wins that race and looks like it could win the second or the third, does that sort of change? Does the Belmont then become your Super Bowl or is the Derby always the most popular race out of the three?
3: That actually is a really, really good question. We always go into the Derby with, with it being, yes, the Super Bowl, the big one. But you're absolutely right. You touch on a good point. When you get to that Belmont and the Triple Crown's on the line, all of a sudden, yes, that pivots into the biggest race of the year because, you know, that is elite ground. We've had very few Triple Crown winners. Uh, American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown in 2015. And before that, we hadn't had Triple Crown winner since 1978. So that tells you how hard it is to do it. Uh, and then, of course, 2018, we had it again with Justify. So we got lucky to have two of them right there kind of you know, not back to back, but close together. Uh, But yeah, sure. If, if, if a horse can come to Churchill Downs and win the Kentucky Derby, go to Pimlico and win the Preakness, then all of a sudden the Belmont becomes, you know, the marquee event.
2: I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and I'm watching it more with a sophisticated eye. Are there fewer horses that they try to run in all three to win all three? Because it seems to me quite often now you get the Derby winner and they don't even run them in the Preakness.
3: Yeah, uh, that's another good point, and it's definitely true. Uh, a lot of times, what these trainers will do—of course, everybody wants to run in the Kentucky Derby, so that we're all aiming for that. And uh, you know, if you don't win or run really, really well, they'll just skip the Preakness and go right to the Belmont. And they'll train up to the Belmont. It gives them five weeks between races, uh, where the Preakness is just two weeks uh, after the Derby, and then it's three weeks, obviously, to the Belmont. So it's much tougher to run in all three. Uh, that's a trend that's that's kind of newer, um, you know, I would say early 2000s, that's kind of started where where, where trainers kind of skip races. Um, I don't particularly like it. Uh, if, if I owned a horse, of course, I'll probably never own one as good as what these <laughs> horses are, but if I did, if he was healthy, he'd run on all three of them. I, I, I wish we would do that more, but yeah, more and more horses are kind of skipping that second leg, uh, unless, of course, they win the Derby, then, then they're going
1: to the Preakness. Come on, Aaron. You're the director of Horses. Your your <laughs> yeah. horse is your horse is gonna be awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've, i uh, I you would think right. Uh, I, I have a <laughs> few horses, but they were they were not Kentucky Derby caliber. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I,
0: I find it interesting the point system that uh, the Kentucky Derby uses to get into mm-hmm. the the Derby, and I do find like the value of winning some of those big races really just solidifies it. And so looking at the list today of, of some of the horses that are in this, you know. Uh, dynamic helium rock your world, bourbonic They ran one, two races to get the points. So, are, are is the strategy with some of these horses just to get them in and, and see what happens when they get in? Hope they get a good post and, and run from there.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, you, you know. To, to qualify for this th- this event, that like you said, there are point races, and they start all the way back, you know, they, at the first of the year. But even back when mm-hmm. these horses are two year olds, the year before, they have a few of them. So yeah, a lot of trainers will kind of work backwards from the Derby and say, okay, I'm going to run, you know, a horse here, here, and here. Hopefully, he can just kind of hit the board in one of these, and then hit the board, meaning first, second, or third, and then boom, we're in the Kentucky Derby. Because a lot of people that own horses. Uh, You know, this is it. This is where they want to be. This is where they want to go. So they'll work backwards from that. And you really get a situation where only, you know, six or seven horses in the field of 20 are legitimate win contenders. And the other ones are just kind of happy to be there. And, you know, hell, let's hope something happens. We get lucky. (laughs) Um, But they're not legitimate contenders.
0: And so when we, you know we're we're big sports fans of, of all kinds, and you know I'm a big baseball fan, we're big hockey fans. So I, I've always found it interesting with with horses in general, because the horses that are running this are, are three years old, mm-hmm. where you know you're looking at some of these prime athletes that are are coming through junior hockey and and playing collegiately sometimes and getting into the NHL at 26 years old. Like the training from for these horses, based on who their parents are and their lineages, I would assume are. right out of the womb thoroughbred horse racing and are trained specifically to do that for for three years and then off they go
3: yep no that's exactly right so that's kind of what makes the kentucky derby special you get one shot at it that's Mm -hmm. it you have to be three old three years old to run in this race so you know let's let's say you know the favorite has a has a poor trip meaning he 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 doesn't break very well he gets way behind he, he can't make up any ground Sorry, there's no coming back next year to redeem yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you get one shot at it, so it definitely makes it uh, special, and you know, and to win it is is even more special when you just have that one chance. And yeah, you're right. They, you know, right out of the gate, right, right, right when that horse is born, basically, it, it it's getting them ready to run. We got to get them ready to run. Usually, they start out as two year olds and they have a race or two and then they go right in that three-year-old season, which is the biggest season of their lives because that's where the lucrative purses are. And and the big thing to remember about this, a three-year-old racehorse is kind of like a high school kid, right? So that's kind of their age for us. So you guys know how it is. When you're in high school, sometimes like let's say sophomore to junior year, you really develop, you know? Mm -hmm. So these horses are kind of going into that junior year right as the Derby starts. So. That's why sometimes you'll see an upset because a horse just kind of develops at at, at the right time.
0: Or they're like Manny and just chasing the girls in the stands. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm running pretty
1: hard, though. I'm running hard. Yeah, yeah, you got a different (laughs) kind of game going. (laughs) Uh, So the post positions have been released. Tell us about the importance of that.
0: Yeah, it's a,
3: it's it's really really important. Uh, with twenty horses in in a field, that out first and foremost, that that's uh, eight more than you're ever going to see. You know, uh, well sometimes you'll see fourteen, but usually twelve is the most you're ever going to see. So twenty horses in a race, that causes a problem right off the bat. You really don't want to be inside, meaning you don't want the one, the two, the three, and the four, because what really happens. Is you just kind of get pressed and pinned inside all those other horses, you get shuffled way back, and then you're in big trouble. And then you got That's to right. make up a lot of ground. Um, so yeah, you really don't want those inside posts. Uh, posts. Thankfully, only one real contender drew bad this year. So mm-hmm. most of our, our our main contenders got post positions that they should be okay with.
0: Yeah, known agenda is in the post number one. They're six to one right now. How does that affect you know a, a horse that coming into this seemingly was was a one that people could have been picking, like, do, mm-hmm. does that odds for them just, just drop dramatically?
3: Yeah, it, it really hurts Nona Jinda uh, for sure. If if you are like him and what he likes to do is kind of sit middle of the pack, right? He, he doesn't like to go to the lead, but he doesn't like to be 20th in this case. Mm-hmm. He wants to be 5th, 6th, 7th. Basically, what's going to happen with him when he breaks, he's going to get shuffled back to like 12th, 13th, 14th. That's going to make it very tough for him to come uh, with a late run in the end and be able to pass all of them and win. He right now he's six to one on the morning line. I think he'll probably float up to like eight, ten to one. Uh, People are just really afraid of the of the rail and and they should be. It's just a it's it's a terrible draw. Now the one good news, Irad Ortiz Jr. is the best jockey in the country and he is on known agenda. So. It helps to have a jockey that's 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 darn good so he'll he'll give that horse the best chance but a lot of times you know your hands are tied from that spot
1: so known agenda got heard in the shuffle there with the post positions mm-hmm. who uh really benefited from the post positions
3: yeah good good question the best answer for me it's gonna it's gonna be different no matter who you ask but in my opinion uh, the horses that drew eight, nine, and ten. So number eight was Medina Spirit, nine was Hot Rod Charlie, and ten is Midnight Bourbon. Those are three horses I was really on the fence with, and they drew perfectly. These are horses that do like to get out in front, and you want those middle post positions for horses uh, that, that like to get out to the lead, and, and all three of them got, got it, you know? <laughs> so it, they really won the draw here. I think out of all of them, the number nine, Hot Rod Charlie, really fascinating to me. This horse was kind of one that was like to run in about third or fourth and then make his move. Last time out, he went straight to the lead. He took the field gate to wire in the Louisiana Derby. He's drawn a perfect post to get that kind of trip again. So uh, out of all of them, I would have to say Hot Rod Charlie won the draw today with the nine hole.
0: And when you look at the field, one of the big things, of course, is everybody comes out of the, the post and then they all end up kind of meeting in the middle. So there's one, two horses that have got to come all the way from the outside and get on the inside. How important is it at uh, Churchill to get a good start?
3: Uh, it's very important. Uh, 52 out of the last 55 Kentucky Derby winners has have been ahead when turning for home. Or, I'm sorry, ahead or second when turning for home. So what that means is when they when they turn for home and they come down the stretch, if you're not in first or second at that point, you've only won it three out of 55 times out of the last 55 runnings of the race. So it's very important to get that early position. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be first or second, you know, going into the first turn and up the back stretch, but you better be in position to get there by the time they make that final turn. So yeah, it's very important uh, to get a good early position. One of the biggest myths about this race is that uh, closers or horses that come from way behind do well. They really don't. Now, can they finish second and third? Sure, but actually winning the race, not many of them can
1: do it. So, Aaron, what would you say about the weather? How much of a factor does that play in the Kentucky Derby?
3: Yeah, I mean, usually it definitely uh, does because at springtime in Kentucky, you just never know. I mean, the the rain could pop up at any time. Now, thankfully right now, as the forecast says, we got a dry track. Uh, It looks like sunny and 70 degrees both days. So I think we'll be okay. Is
2: that something that uh, the animals actually notice or care about?
3: Um, There are certain horses that really like running on, on a wet track and there are certain horses that don't. If it does rain, the 14 hit Essential Quality, who is the favorite, has a win over a sloppy track. So if it does rain, the favorite Essential Quality might even look a little stronger than over a dry track because he, he really looked good over a sloppy track two races back. But it'll certainly play a factor. Uh, just keep an eye on it. Hopefully it doesn't rain. But, uh, you know, if, if it does, you definitely have to make adjustments.
2: Uh, what's your feeling on the size of the field and how that affects the safety of the uh, the jockeys and the horses? Does that matter?
3: I'll be honest, I, I, I don't love it. I don't love it at all. Uh, this is one of the only races in the world and certainly only race in North America that they're going to have 20 horses and a starting gate. Uh, it, to me, it is a little bit of a recipe for disaster. Thankfully, we haven't seen anything like that. Uh, I would love to see them trim uh, trim it down to 12 or 14 horses. I think that would be much safer. Uh, one thing Churchill Downs did to kind of help with that, uh, they, they've, they've made a new starting gate. Used to what they would do, there would be a starting gate 1 through 14, and then there would be a gap, and then 15 through 20 would be in an auxiliary gate. And it just made for a weird mishmash when they broke. Now that it's all 20 stalls all together, all in a straight line, I do think that will help.
0: When you're when you're looking at predictions, and we're going to get into uh, the number of your predictions and such as as we go along here. But being the the lead handicapper again, it's uh, uh, Aaron joining us here from from raisingdudes.com. and again we appreciate your your time for uh, joining us on uh, on a crazy a crazy week for you guys. But uh, I'm sure it changes race to race but what goes into making a prediction for a horse race?
3: Yeah, so the, the biggest thing to start with, we have we have something called speed figures. So that's that's the biggest thing of all. It's basically just an index of how fast the horse has been running in his last few, he or she's last few races. So that's number one, you gotta look at that. Is the horse fast enough? Is this horse faster than the rest of them in the race? So it seems simple, but that's that's where you start, right? Uh, next, you start with the trainer. I think the trainer is is definitely the second biggest thing uh, that, that impacts a race. Some trainers just know what they're doing better than others. So, like the Brad Coxes, uh, you know, the, who has the Kentucky Derby favorite, the Bob Bafferts of the world, who wins seemingly almost every year the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, Todd Pletcher, those guys. It's a big factor. They just they just have a little something about them that that other people don't and I you know it's for me not being a horseman per se it's hard for me to put my finger on it but it's absolutely there and and then the third thing uh the pace of the race and what that basically means uh every horse has a running style that they prefer they either want to be in front being about you know mid pack or in the back so if you look at a race and there's four or five horses that really like to be in front and really like to run hard early in the race they're gonna tired each other out because they're competing hard before they need to. And then that's gonna set it up for horses coming from the back. The other way around, if you get to a race and there's there's one, maybe two horses that like to go early out to the front and nobody else, then those two horses or one horse have a better chance uh, to go gate to wire, as we call it, and just get out in front and never get caught. So that's the three big factors uh, when you handicap any horse race, really.
1: So. Hold on a second, Aaron. I just mm-hmm. want to make sure you got. I get this right. You said the trainer was important. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we've <laughs> debated on this show before <laughs> that the trainer is not the most important. Horse, jockey, or trainer in one, two, three order, Aaron. <laughs> well, no pressure. Uh, horse is absolutely
3: number one. I, you just of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got to do it. You know, (laughs) but I'm really trainer is number two for sure. Uh huh, uh huh. And then jockey three for me, but absolutely the horse is is still the most important aspect of this.
1: (laughs) See, John, we've been vindicated (laughs) by the director (laughs) of horsing.
2: (laughs) And you know what I love? All three of us unanimously agreed, and then now we have an expert on who also agrees. The jockeys aren't
3: that important. Well, the big thing about jockeys when you lose it's always their fault that's the you know that's uh-huh. they're the but when you win oh no horse horse ran great trainer had him ready to roll you know so that's great
0: <laughs> let me let me get into uh uh one of the more polarizing characters of, of horse racing uh and and get your opinion on it, whether you've met the gentleman or not mm-hmm. uh i have nothing no experience whatsoever with this man but i have nothing positive to say about bob baffert why do you Hang I him. can't stand this guy. This is the guy who's like every time they show him on screen. I remember a couple years ago, it's raining, he's indoors, he's got shaded sunglasses and a poncho on inside. He looks great. It's Goofy the Kid. Hair looks that shows good. up with yeah. his with his suit. It's just <laughs> the white hair. I, it's it's beautiful. He comes across as just an arrogant <laughs> I can't stand more than maybe more than any person for no reason whatsoever. I can't stand Bob Bafford. Please I'm you're dressing gonna, like your Mark Senner. I've got a very important question for Aaron here. <laughs> Is he a jerk? No. Uh, <laughs> have you ever met Bob Bafford? Have you ever run into Bob Bafford? We're not telling telling stories out of school here. Please tell me that he's not a nice person. <laughs> it's like I can't stand him when he's on there listen i yes is the
3: answer i I've, I've dealt with him a few times uh you know we've kind of been in the media scrum after his derby wins and you ask a question or two you know um I'll tell you this, I hate to disappoint you. He's never been anything but nice to us. Uh, See,
1: he's a good guy. Oh, well, now,
3: now look, I I don't know if he's a good guy or not, but he's <laughs> never been anything but nice to us. So Sure,
0: for the media, sure. Play it up for the <laughs> media. I,
3: now, I, you know, um, I, I kind of generally get the feeling he doesn't want us around so uh, i do get that feeling of get the hell out of here once we're done talking but other than that he he has been nothing but nice to us uh so
1: sorry i, I can't say anything too bad um, name me a champion who who likes the media um, there isn't anybody they all hate the media right They don't, you don't the even think around. the trainer
0: matters i <laughs> <laughs> can't say <laughs> You can't say that Bob Bafford's the a champion and then say the trainer is not as important. Aaron Halterman might be the best guest we've ever had over future I don't think we've ever had a guest on where we've just separated ourselves and argued the whole <laughs> <time> <laughs> either. So,
2: You uh, know what I think is funny? Bob Bafford could rescue a puppy from a burning building and Matt would be disappointed by it.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I don't I, know. I, I Honestly, Aaron, I don't know what it is. I, I just, there, there's something about the the aura that that every time they put up the camera on him I just I can't I can't even look at him and well, the, the would... worst thing about it too is Aaron mm-hmm. like when they start showing him like, let's be honest here. I'm half a case in already. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a, I'm not a four to six on anybody. I'm a one to yeah. 10. And <laughs> I mean, he rubbed me the wrong way probably the first time I watched a race and knew who he was. And I've just held on to it the whole time. It's because you saw three of them. To be fair.
3: To be fair, I I do think he's a very shady character. Let's put it that
1: way. So so, I'll take that. I'll take that. I don't take that at all. (laughs) Aaron Halterman (laughs) is our guest here on For Future Considerations. You mentioned the favorite is essential quality. What makes him so good?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, He you know, the the biggest thing is consistency. This horse has ran five times. He's won all five races. Uh, You know, he he just just bam every time he's just good enough to win. Does he blow you away? Is he really flashy? No, he's not, but he's just damn good. Every time you exit a race, you go, damn, he ran really, really well. So uh, that that's it for him. Uh, the other big thing, uh, and I've, I've talked about running styles with horses. He's one doing three different things. He's come from way off the pace to win. He, he's been on the lead in one, and he's been you know third or fourth stocking the pace in one. That's very important, the Kentucky Derby with 20 horses. You have to have some versatility. So the next thing I guess I would say, he's a very versatile horse. Uh, so consistency, versatility, uh, that's that's him. And a friend of mine described him perfectly, and I don't know if this will resonate with you guys or not. He's like, if you're playing like a, a, like, let's say like Street Fighter, the video game, right? And you're trying to pick your characters, and you look at like all the, if you if you rank all of his abilities, one through 10, Every one of his abilities is an eight. He's good at everything. He's not great at anything, but he's good at every single thing.
1: Tell me something good about Hot Rod Charlie. I know he's got triple crown pedigree, right? Son of Oxbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are concerned about his inexperienced ownership group. Do you buy that? Where Where does he fit in the field?
3: Yeah, as far as the ownership group, you know, it, the, to be real clear, like the owners don't do anything; they they just buy the horse and give it to the trainer.
1: So you know whether they're worse than the jockey, well, right? Like, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're,
3: they're beyond worthless. Right? So <laughs>
1: put me on record for that. Um,
3: <laughs> no, but no, the ownership group really doesn't matter. Uh, the big thing about uh, Hot Rod Charlie, uh, from a human standpoint, the trainer Doug O'Neill has won the Kentucky Derby two times. So. He certainly knows how to get one ready. So as far as you know, the, the the human aspect of this horse, the jockey Flavian Pratt, a fantastic jockey. That's all fine. Uh, you know, you mentioned his pedigree. He is by Oxbow, who won the Preakness. Um, you know, this is a horse also uh, a half brother to a horse named Matoli, who was a champion uh, sprinter uh, a few years ago as well. So this is a great pedigree. Um, the best thing about Hot Rod Charlie, I could say. Uh, he has got a ton of speed out of the gate. So in a 20-horse in field, you get out of that gate, you break, you get ahead of most of the horses, you stay away from the scrum that is going to happen. Uh, he can do it. So, uh, and again, I, I think we mentioned earlier, if I remember, perfect post position for him as well. So a lot of positives. If you like him right
0: now, I, I would be smiling. Well, I, think I like to see Manny's face right now. Manny just <laughs> Manny just selected his uh, his Kentucky Derby winner right now. Hara oh, <laughs> Hot Rod, hot rod One of one of the other sexy things that people love to do with the Kentucky Derby, and you mentioned when we go in, there's a 20 horse field. There's really, you know, unless there's a big surprise, five or six real contenders. But everybody loves the dark horse so let's go off the map a little bit let's see maybe not somebody that's going to win the derby but somebody that I can get into an exacta bet and and win a little money on Who, who's kind of on the outside looking in that that's going to make a charge hot
1: rod Charlie
0: you got him winning he's like eight to one right now
3: yeah it, it, I would say hot rod Charlie but it's kind of a cop-out because he is eight to one and I think you know he'll be one of the shorter prices so I definitely won't say him but listen I do like him uh two horses uh the number eight medina spirit is 15 to 1 right now it's a baffert
0: horse aaron
3: (laughs) i know okay i'm gonna give you two though because i was getting ready to say with Bob baffert you'd know that horse is gonna take money so he probably won't be 15 to 1 but he's the most consistent horse in the field other than essential quality this horse has finished first or second in all of his races. Uh, you know, he, he kind of just runs the same race every time. He'll get out towards the front a little bit and just kind of stay right there and finish first or second. So he certainly, especially for an exact bet, makes sense. But I'll give you one that I think is going to be a bigger price, and I think he's got just as good a shot at it. And that's number 10, Midnight Bourbon at 20 to 1. Ooh. Listen, he's just like Medina Spirit in the, in the sense that he just is always there. You know, he doesn't always win, but he's always right there at the end. He's always kind of in contention. He's never finished worse than third and seven lifetime starts. Mm-hmm. Now here's the deal with him though. He's faced the best of the best his entire career. So it, you say, hey, never been worse than third and seven starts. That's really meaningful for him because he's faced a lot of really good horses. Um, Steve Aspussen is the trainer. He's a guy, uh, out of all the trainers in the race, I, I know him the best. He's super confident in this horse. He's talking this horse up. He doesn't usually do that with his horses. He's kind of a quiet guy. Uh, I think he thinks he's going to run a good race. And oh, by the way, the last factor, uh, Mike Smith, one of the best jockeys uh, of all time, uh-huh. jumps aboard Midnight Bourbon for the first time ever in this race. Uh, they asked, asked me, I said, hey, why'd you get Mike Smith? He said, why in the hell wouldn't I get Mike Smith? You know, <laughs> <laughs> He said, he's a great jockey. And I think this horse has a shot to win. So at 20 to one, he makes a lot of sense.
0: That, that kind of leads me to another question uh, as far as that relationship goes. Explain how owners get trainers and, and how they th- that contract works because really you know a, a trainer does or a, uh, I should say jo- um, a, a, the jockey. How, how does that relationship work owner to trainer to, to jockey They're not necessarily affiliated with each other but obviously there's relationships involved.
3: Yeah, so the first part, the owner getting a trainer, a lot of times it's as simple as, hey, I know this guy, hey, I'm a friend with this guy, he's gonna train my horses. Uh, But the big operations, what they will do, that maybe maybe it's not more of a friendly deal, but a business situation, they'll look at it and say, okay, we've got maybe 20 horses in our stable. We're gonna put five on the West Coast, we're gonna put five in the Midwest, we're gonna put 10 in New York, and then they just kind of do the research and look for the better trainers and that's why guys like bob baffert brad cox you know todd Pletcher, chad brown those those are the big four that's why they continue to get these horses they have success and then these big outfits see that and they say, okay we'll spread out our horses and that's the guys we use so that's kind of how that works now as far as the trainer and the jockey relationship that can be a rocky one at times uh, depending on the trainer some trainers are very hard on their jockeys um for the most part, all these guys have their quote unquote, go-to guy where it's like, okay, if I've got a great horse or I've got a good horse even, that guy's riding it. And those are those are pretty solid relationships for the most part. After that, it kind of is just hit and miss. Like, oh, this guy gave me a bad ride yesterday. I'm not calling him for three months. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that's kind of how that works. So each trainer usually does have that one strong guy. And then after that, it's just kind of a kind of a hit and miss situation.
1: Aaron Halterman is our guest from RacingDudes.com talking about the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Great, great conversation, Aaron. Have you been to the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Doms? Yeah, thankfully. Uh, this will
3: be my third time. We get to go this year. Um, you know, we, obviously last year with COVID, we missed it. Uh, first Kentucky Derby was in 2018, Justify wins. He goes on to win the Triple Crown. We were also wow. at Belmont for that. So, oh, wow, what an amazing first Kentucky Derby, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, 2019 was maybe the worst Kentucky Derby to ever go to. Maximum Security wins, he gets disqualified. It's a freaking mess. Um, people are booing. People are throwing things. <laughs> So we went from we never want to leave to let's get the hell out of here in 2019. <laughs> um, listen, both times we went, it poured rain the whole time. Uh, so hopefully we don't get that this year. Uh, but yeah, been twice. There's nothing like it. Uh, it is it is phenomenal. Even if you're not a huge racing fan, the spectacle of it all, uh, I, I would assume, is is something that everybody would want to see. It's It's pretty amazing
1: why so why would you say that what stands out for you especially for those people who are listening who may never have been to a horse race yeah you
3: you know i I think the feeling first thing the feeling of 20 horses flying by you and you you know in your mind it's the biggest race of the year it's for three million dollars and so that's a big part of it there's there's like a hundred and fifty thousand people there and you think i mean that's that's a that's a ton of people in one spot uh you know when they when they break out of that gate the the roar of the crowd is is something amazing and uh one of the traditions and this was the one that really got me uh you know and i'd seen this on tv i'm sure you guys have too uh they sing uh old kentucky home you know right but right before uh you know they, they go out to the track uh you know like mm-hmm. 10 minutes before the race it i watch on tv and it's like hey, that's okay whatever you know i don't give a damn about that really but when you're there and all those people are singing it, I don't know, there's just something about it. It's just like, damn, that's that's really cool. So that was like the big thing for me.
1: How many people are they letting in this year, by the way?
3: That's, you know, they won't come out and really say it. They just keep saying limited amount. Um, my guess- So 149,000,
1: <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs>
3: well, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, if, if they're letting, like me and Jared go to the race. Jared's the other uh, owner of the Racing Dudes. If like he's if the rolling. vice
1: director of horses, yeah. <laughs> right? They're, they're
3: letting us in. They're probably letting
0: a lot of people in. That's,
3: that's kind of my guess.
0: <laughs> so, uh, as far as the race is concerned, again, uh, we've we've touched on it a couple of times. Essential Quality seems to be the leader. Is uh, are you going to take Essential Quality for the win, or are you going to pull a bit of an upset here, Aaron?
3: Reluctantly, I did pick essential quality to win. Um, It's just a situation where he's the one I think we can rely on the most. Everybody else, you know, they just, they've got holes, they've got flaws, they've got little things that kind of eat at you and you're like, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's like, you know, you guys being in Canada, I'm a huge hockey fan as well. It's like when you're trying to pick a Stanley Cup winner, right? And, and, and you've got a team and like they got everything. And then you look at the goalie and it's like, oh, he's awful. You know, <laughs> the Cup, you know? Uh, as a blues fan, like, you know, going in with like Brian Elliott, you know, one year it's like n- not to no offense to Brian Elliott, but come, he's not going to win the Stanley Cup, you know, he's no um, Jordan Bennington. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you guys know what I mean. I mean, and that's what it is. Like uh, Rock Your World, for example. I really wanted to pick him. He's five to one. The horses ran one time on dirt. And it's just like, that's really tough when a horse, he's ran three races, but the one, only one data point that we can really analyze is the one race on the dirt because his first two races came on the turf. That's completely different. So it's like, yeah, he might win, but he might run like shit basically too so uh with essential quality i just feel like consistency i can count on him he can win from all different kinds of spots and i'll just be shocked if this horse doesn't at least you know run well and give himself a great shot to win
0: see i was i was gonna go with uh with rock your world I, you you like that one, I, right? I, I i liked it yeah but uh i a like hot rod charlie Aaron, manny's already got his pick rashad where are you going yeah, yeah I know, I'm leaning towards Hot Rod Charlie after Atta this discussion. Boy, uh, <laughs> jump on the
1: bandwagon. I'm taking soup and
0: sandwich. <laughs> oh, don't do that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Aaron talking uh, up Medina Spirit and Midnight Bourbon. Maybe I'm putting some exacta bets yeah, or yeah. yeah or something like that. Maybe cheap out and do show bets or something like that. I don't know.
3: I love the pick of Hot Rod Charlie. I think that's a good one because he's going to be a decent price and he's just kind of getting better with each race, too. So I, I think he's going to be good. Now, you, you mentioned Rock Your World. This is, look at this right now. Nobody else
0: can see this. But Manny is, uh, Manny is right now claiming himself to have in, invented
3: the Kentucky Derby. Well, here's the deal like, you pick him. And, and say he doesn't run all that well, well, at least you gave yourself a shot. Like he's gonna be eight to one and it's like, you're gonna make money on him. Um, you, you mentioned Rock Your World. I I wouldn't blame you if you picked him because out of all the races that these horses ha- ha- have run, he's had the best. Like the San Diego Derby was the best race uh, of the entire Kentucky Derby Prep season. You're just kind of banking on it, like can he do it again type of thing. And sometimes that's hard for a horse to repeat a top effort like that.
0: We've taken up a ton of your time, and I really do appreciate it. But at the very end, they're mentioning that you're a St. Louis Blues fan. We uh, used to um, uh, work in Owen Sound, where Jordan Biddington played his junior hockey. So we've got that relationship. We know Jordan, and we're hoping to one day have him on the show. What was that Stanley Cup run from worst to, to first uh, like for, for St. Louis and yourself as a Blues fan?
3: So, it, yeah, it, it was a, it was the greatest day of my life when I run this. Because, like, you guys don't even understand. Like, here's the deal in Missouri. Uh, and you guys could even fathom this. There's not a ton of hockey fans here. Now, in St. Louis, it's big. But when you get outside that at that radius of the city, it's really not. And I live like three hours from St. Louis. But I, for whatever reason, I grew up a massive hockey fan. So, yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, I can remember. You know, in the offseason, we got we got O'Reilly, and I thought, I've, I've always loved Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's a, just a fantastic hockey player. He, if, if if you want, you know, if you have a kid and you want him to play hockey, that's how you want him to play, like Ryan O'Reilly. He mm-hmm. just does everything. Anyway, they got him, Uh, you know, uh, and, and it's like, wow, we're going to be great. And then we were awful. And when they brought up Bennington, like at the first of the year, that's like the fifth goalie in the organization, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, come on. Like, this, we're just grasping for anything. And then, yeah. Uh, for him to do that, you know, I'm a huge blues fan. I I knew very little about Jordan Biddington until, you know, he shut out the Flyers the first game he played. I'm <laughs> like, wow, this is gonna be all right. And yeah, he he just got hot, man. And and yeah, it was it was just amazing. I I I, I still struggle to put it into words. And that's been what almost two years. That's great. Um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable.
1: That coaching change probably played a factor too in that cup, didn't it? You know, it was a
3: situation too where, again, they hired Craig Berube. I'm like, it's like, just go get a real coach. You know? <laughs> right? and again, I didn't know much about him. And it just seemed like every move that guy made that year, it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. changed lines up. That line he changed would score two goals. You know, I mean, uh, it, it turns out, you know, now that I know a lot about him, it's like, wow, he's he, what a guy, like a really, really good guy. Uh, you know, I think I think the guys really like him, they respect him, they play hard for him. Uh, so yeah, it's it made a huge difference, there's no doubt. And I, I hated who we had before,
0: so, <laughs> so that really good to get
3: rid of him, but uh yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you're you're talking um, to to Manny, who's a Montreal fan. Uh, yeah. John is a Canucks fan, and uh, Magic and I, and our uh, Red Wings fans, have connected oh. with Magic uh, over uh, over his uh, uh, Michigan roots and, and that. So we'll have to have you guys on for for some hockey talk too. Yeah. But what's what's the connection with horse racing and hockey? Yeah, the the two go together so perfectly, it seems.
3: Yeah, magic
0: is he's he's very
3: knowledgeable as well. And here, Red Wings. Oh gosh, that's that's a (laughs) nightmare for Blues fans. So we won't go there. Uh, Canucks too. Yeah, Canucks knocked us out last year. And then hey, the Montreal you got Jake Allen as a backup goalie, and that's Listen, Jake Allen in that role is fantastic. One of the best. Uh, You you have to rely on him to start, and you don't have very good backup behind him. It gets a little shaky. But you know we we love Jake here in St.
1: Louis. He he's a good dude. Can't wait uh, for this whole pandemic to end, this border to open. We'll come down and uh, enjoy some mint juleps and talk some hockey and bet on some horses. How's that? Listen, we'd love to, anytime you guys
3: want to come down or maybe we'll come up to Woodbine and and we can all hang out Uh, one day too.
1: We got a connection
0: there too, so (laughs) it's all good. We're good. Aaron, thanks again. I really really want to go to Woodbine, so so we're in. There you go. We'll make it happen. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, Aaron Halterman, the uh, Vice President, CEO, Director of Horsing, (laughs) uh, let's say staff morale as well, and lead handicapper at RacingDudes.com. It's a great website too. There's a a lot of
1: content. Um, If you know horses, if you know horse betting, it's a great resource. If you're just new to it and looking for some content to learn more about racing and betting on horses, or just the horses in particular especially in the kentucky field they break it down for you it's a great website racingdudes.com he was he was fantastic i, I really enjoyed the conversation with aaron the hockey talk was a bonus yeah the only thing Rashad shot you didn't ask him about is whether he fought any bears <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> we'll Uh, find that out on our trip to Woodbine (laughs)
0: there you go Sounds good.
1: if you have any feedback for us let us know what's our email address again John for future
2: considerations at gmail.com
1: and again you can can follow us us on social
0: media yeah for sure Twitter uh, and Instagram it's both podcast FFC Uh, if you want to follow us there let us know who you've got running the, the Kentucky Derby yeah let us know
1: who is your bet or on Facebook Just search for Future Considerations. On behalf of Aaron and John and Matt, my name's Manny, and thank you for tuning in to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations